0: Bot Brothers.
1: <laughs> the bot. bot Brothers. Welcome to the show. This is the Bot Brothers AI for Educators. I'm Mike Pearson. And I'm Pat Burns. This show is going to be uh, mind-expanding, I do bot believe. We, have so far, we've, we've talked to all kinds of different high school teachers, a librarian, a comp sci person. This week, we have an actual college professor from uh, the great school of uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison, or we Illinoisans always say Madtown. Uh, I don't know if that's a Wisconsin thing or not, but her name is Trudy Watt, and she's the academic director for the Master of Science in Design and Innovation at the University of Madtown. Um, she does architect, She does. she's a design researcher, researcher, she's obviously an educator. She does stuff with transdisciplinary collaboration, Um, we're super stoked to have you here, Trudy. Um, what, what, okay. Now that I've read all that, what, what exactly do you do? What a good
2: question. I wish I knew the answer. Um, I'm still figuring that out. Um, that's what I do. I, I work in the field of design, um, in alignment with what I feel is my purpose, which is helping other people find their path through design, um, so that they can do work that matters to them. So I started as an architect. And I work to facilitate collaboration and teams um, that use design to work on really hard problems. Um, But really, practically speaking, I'm the academic director for the Master of Science in Design plus Innovation, which means that I help to guide the program, um, provide the curriculum vision, um, I advise students. I think all the time about student experience. I teach in the classroom. I work with my colleagues to facilitate their teaching. Um, so really building up um, this design plus innovation program, which is an interdisciplinary collaborative and
1: empathetic based uh, approach to design. Are you teaching primarily undergrads or or grad students? And then like what, what specific courses?
2: Uh, So the MS in Design Plus Innovation is exclusively a graduate program. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a 12-month accelerated master's program. It's a kind of new species of program at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And it's super fascinating. We work with students who come from a huge array of different disciplinary backgrounds, as well as, of course, life experience, because, you know, we're all individual humans. Um, So that will happen. Um, And the coursework is all wrapped around uh, these practicum courses at the heart of the degree, which for people with a design background, you might think of them as a studio or project-based applied learning. So our students work in partnership with all kinds of different partners on real-world problems that matter to them. And uh, they also all participate in a core curriculum that involves Uh, learning to visualize or draw, learning to make and prototype using all sorts of different analog and digital techniques. Um, They learn sort of a business mindset through our collaboration with the business school. Um, They collaborate with the information school, another one of our partners. Um, And while I'm at it, I'll also mention uh, the art department. Uh, the School of Human Ecology and the College of Engineering. So they students are really working wow. through an interdisciplinary network of relationships to get yeah. this really well-rounded, unique educational experience in just twelve months.
0: Can, can wow. I ask, you, Trudy? Uh, that sounds fascinating. It sounds like the type of thing I wish I had when I was in college. Actually, because I yeah. love interdisciplinary stuff, and I, I love seeing cross connections. Uh, how how long has that program been in existence? And like, what what might be some examples, or maybe an example or two of, of types of things that students um, have put together that you could share with us?
2: Yeah, that's an awesome question. Thank you. And I will say, since we're right at the beginning of the conversation, that even though I'm going to talk about this probably ad nauseum, um, so just, you know, give me like a little flag when you want me to stop rambling about the amazing MS Design Plus Innovation program. Um, but I will just say that, uh, you know, all of the comments and opinions are my own and don't represent the University of Wisconsin-Madison's, um, I don't know what the official statement is that I probably should make along those lines, but I think that probably conveys the intent.
1: Yeah, um, we're getting, we're getting Trudy's opinion and not, not university's opinion. Exactly. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our um, five viewers
0: will t- take note of that. That'd be great. Our, I'm our, one our of listeners. them.
2: I'm your longtime <laughs> right. listener. First time caller. I've listened to every episode of bot brothers. Uh, I reach. I'm, made a t-shirt with a marker uh you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you did that'd be the coolest
1: and dorkiest we've thing i've ever got heard but i love swag. it swag <laughs> we've got swag we have one unit swag sweet right. we should probably get on that pat we'll make some t-shirts and
0: just... i've totally thought about it. i love our logo uh but that's you know i
1: you know interestingly so far enough our my nephew went to university of Cincinnati in industrial design. And he did like the, the program It's like you do a semester on the semester internship and he made our logo. So he's a, a design guy. There you Very go. cool. for what it's worth. So, so anyway, so, so what were you saying? back to the okay. question
0: that like, so the program itself has been like, how long is that better? It sounds like that's something that's relatively new or new. I don't know. It seems to me that an institution would do that. It seems kind of a 21st century type of thing to me. Um, but then, and then maybe an example or two that kind of highlight like what students have done, some cool things have done.
2: Yeah, you are right on. Um, so, our program is rooted in a 20th century idea, design thinking, and human centered design. And we're continuing to build on those methods in our program that's only three years old. So, just a couple of weeks ago, we graduated our third cohort. I oh, miss wow. them terribly already. Um, wow. And uh, we're currently working with our fourth cohort to get them ready to enroll and join us in the fall. So, yes, we're a really young program. It's super exciting to be in this sort of startup opportunity, if you will, within the sort of big ship or, you know, ecology mm-hmm. of a giant university, you know, R1 mm-hmm. university like, mm-hmm. like UW-Madison. Um, but still, yeah, we're, we're, a, little, we're a little boat inside a big boat i don't know if that metaphor works but not a lifeboat exactly but i digress so um
0: thanks for clarifying that because that's where my mind went actually uh, it's like i hope that's not what she means no i'm sure it's a great program
2: it is it's an awesome program so to, to answer the second part of your question the kinds of work that students do um so in the first Uh, practicum course that our students took last summer, for instance, which was co-taught by my colleagues Leslie Sager and Holly Burns. They worked with uh, Downtown Madison, Inc., which is a really fantastic civic organization in Madison, Wisconsin, um, that looks at public spaces and all sorts of things having to do with the way that things run in Downtown Madison, um, which is famous for its pedestrian mall, um, Mm -hmm. this incredible... Uh, pedestrian access between the beautiful classical state Capitol building and the university on the other end. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot going on there and still there are public spaces that are kind of um, underused or Mm -hmm. used in ways that people in the community don't feel super comfortable with. Um, So examples being, you know, like a parking lot that has a tendency to just be like a a getting super wasted and cruising zone like doesn't feel like a super great uh identity for that like parking lot smack in the middle of downtown So mm-hmm. downtown madison inc um established a competition for that invited uh, professional design um firms to actually submit plans for different for these different underused uh under or Kind of underutilized. Disused, spaced. Yeah. Because okay. it's not, it's not like it's underutilized. A lot of people are going there to drink. So it's very, it's really well populated. <laughs> right. But um, but like that's not what, you know, I think that the city would like to see the space used differently. Um, you know, as an, as another example, you know, there's um uh Monona Terrace, which is a beautiful lakefront spot mm-hmm. in Madison, mm-hmm. but it's kind of hard to get to. Um, yep. so that's where we are seeing underutilization. So incredible mm-hmm. spot, but like, why aren't people more people able to go hang out there? Mm -hmm. So Downtown Madison Inc. um, established this design competition that was, you know, invited professionals to propose different visions for what those could be, whether it's a park or a new waterway or a bike path or, you know, a new zone for uh, pop-ups and food trucks and different Mm -hmm. sorts of public recreational activities. So our students actually took on that design brief, the same one that Downtown Madison Inc. gave to the professionals, and they broke into teams and came up with their visions for what could be different about that parking mm-hmm. lot, that alleyway, that terrace on the lake. So they you, kind of designed
0: new public spaces. You are, um, make it take me back a few years to pre-pandemic times. Uh, I have a senior rhetoric class, and there's a project that I had that I ran it two or three times where I had students essentially, we were looking at the rhetoric of spaces, right? And what does the space seem to be kind of be saying about a place and the values yeah. and what have you. And and I had them find places within uh, the city that we're in, and they had to reimagine what they would do with them in a very similar sort of way that you're doing, but in Madison. Um, and some of the designs, things that they came up with, were just awesome. And I was like, mm-hmm. I never would have thought of that. Um, uh, so anyhow, th- I- I'm kind of geeking out a little bit just hearing that, like that. That's the work that you're doing. I think that's just
1: where you're part of that. That's so so cool. It's great. You Thank know, you. I- yeah. A yeah, I- question. Yeah. Um, so, so would you say that like the point of design? Is to really kind of enhance like the the user experience, or to persuade the user experience, or to because because like you're kind of like well we want this space to be used this way it's overutilized the way we don't want and this one's underutilized so it's right. designed really about like creating whatever materials that you're using to to kind of persuade the the uh, the user the audience to do blank
2: yeah that's a great question. I would say that design is about creating sets of possibilities aligned with need or desire or both. And that while it can have persuasive power, um, or impact on the way I might behave or feel, um, yeah, but just like at its root design is a process for creating a set of possibilities that are aligned or related in some way to something we want or need. So, and that could apply to a space. It could could apply to an object. It could apply to a process or a digital interface. Um, And what I love about what you said is that you rooted it in user experience because I do think it's about the experience of people. And that's really at the heart of our program is that empathetic connection to you know, what people and other creatures are experiencing when they encounter what we design, which at this point in history, I would say is pretty much every molecule on the planet because human beings have, through mm-hmm. their decisions and design um, efforts, whether you call it a d- design or not, have now had influence on the entire ecosystem we live in. So where we're not thinking like designers, we are failing to take, you know, full responsibility for the design of our world.
1: Okay. Yeah. You just let me write into a question I was wanting to ask you, like, so design, how something is designed is very fundamental and powerful because of the impact it has. Yep. And our last episode, I, 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 when I listened back to when I was, when I was mixing it, I w- I was trying to ask uh, Josh Schmidt because, you know, programmers are are designing programs to do to do whatever right and and with with artificial intelligence and even the internet um they are kind of creating the way that we are going to interact and and behave and they're kind of like designing the world right Mm -hmm. and so I, i was thinking I mean, it used to be like, you call it the author would design a world with the book and kind of like, you kind of learn from that. But now kind of computer science has taken over kind of the big push. And so you have all these people in Silicon Valley, like writing programs that that have these users and then we act however we act, right? But the, but the, but the technology is also going to push us in certain directions. So it's kind of a big lead up to a question of, with your experience so far with artificial intelligence, how well do you think they're designing it?
2: That's a that's a really big one. Um, yeah, and I don't I don't know what goes into. I'm not a programmer. You know, my background's architecture, so I understand design from that perspective, which I think gives me some insight. In as much as architecture is super complex, it's hard. It's, so so I understand. I, I understand like the bones of what it might take to undertake complex designs, such as the design of a, like an AI platform and its behavior. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I wouldn't know exactly how to do it, but I do think, I mean, it seems like what we're learning, you know, in the media is that, that there, there are a lot of, um, concerns, hesitancies, and hopes for the way that AI is being designed. Um, Especially with regard to the sort of like, should we press ahead or should we pump the brakes at this moment to think about right. whether the values that we want to arise as a result of this super powerful thing emerging um, are those values baked in enough to our process yet to ensure mm. you know the persistence of human values and our usefulness in the workplace and our creativity and all those
1: things. Yeah, I keep mind coming back to the, the parking lot that's just full of a bunch of drunken fools right? Like a design error, right? And then how do you redesign? So like, is that, is that some instance of AI or maybe that's just like Reddit feeds and 4chan stuff on the internet, right? Like there's this place you go where people do terrible things.
2: Uh, yeah. Like what's the, ana- the, what's the analogous digital space? Yeah. 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 I mean, we seem to have a lot of trash zones in our digital space trash zones um yeah is that, is a, a that like a,
0: an actual term or is that you just invent that like that's a nice I, phrase actually to use a trash
1: yeah, I like zone that.
2: i don't believe i did invent it um actually the phrase that's coming to mind is trash stratum um that i Ooh. think i heard i want to say it's related to david lynch's work and um the sort of um aesthetic universe that he sets up in kind of all of his work but especially in Twin Peaks where there are like these almost alternate universes that are like weird trash zones that are full of chaos and fear and garbage and Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like I mean that's that's like when I think about that kind of thing, that's the fear, right? That AI like somehow leads us in the direction of this like garbage dystopia where like human beings just are totally worthless and we don't we can't find purpose in our lives. So, I guess just just to name the nightmare, uh, I don't know. Well,
1: that might be the title of the show, like the Trash Zone, or the what's the Trash (laughs) Stratum, or like Design. I mean, something, right? Like, but but certainly call it just Trash Zone. Yeah is powerful and, and and to think about ai like that is like are we making a trash zone
0: right well that's uh, not funny but like it's it's ironic <laughs> because mike and i were, we text all the time and i think it was last week i texted him a a, a gif of or if you prefer a gif of uh it was like a wally like one of those one of those characters that's kind of a, a little bit larger and is just laying on the recliner just sipping his soda watching his like you know tv screen or something and i was thinking about how in that movie um i can't believe i'm talking about disney right now Anyhow that uh you know the, the, the whole environment has been trashed, right and yet and it's for for the for the conveniences that we that we crave uh and and so to this point of AI, a lot of what this pushes is, is like how do we make things more efficient uh, and to serve our purposes but to come back to what you're talking about before, Trudy, it, you know that that's maybe all helpful, but we have to take into account how is what we're designing impacting everything else beyond us yes. uh and it seems to me that that's uh probably not even a, a a a distant consideration by a lot of people who are developing these things because they're focusing probably partly on profit, but also just like, well, what can we have it do, right? And but it's also always generally going to be pretty self-serving, I would think, uh, to like, how do I use it for my purposes or our needs? And, and and I think Mike and I like we 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 interact with the same way, and it seems innocuous, like how do we use it in our classroom or for our students? But that's also not necessarily taken into account to like, should we be using it? in those contexts or how does that how does the fact that we're wanting to use it impact maybe some ecology of other sort of like creatures, animals, uh you yeah. know, rivers, oceans, whatever I mean, whatever, you know, I mean the, the the natural sort of ecology. Uh I I don't know how to wrap my head around all that, but um it's kind of where my head goes with it.
2: W- would it be fair to say that you're talking, you're pointing to the sort of like unintended consequences that could arise that are hard for us to see at this moment mm-hmm. given our <laughs> Disposition to the you know opportunities at hand to engage creatively with AI, especially in the classroom.
0: Yeah, I, I think to yeah to some extent, yeah, I would say that. Um, I, I think what's that word disposition is interesting to me because it seems to me that our just as a species, our disposition is just about us, right? That we we tend to be, and maybe that's more of, that's actually maybe more of a cultural thing that I think about it because there are obviously human cultures that are not so human-centric right and they're much more um you know, looking at the environment uh you know as a collective kind of concept and um and so there's certainly examples of that throughout human history on all continents i think so uh but that's so there may be a civil it's a civilizational sort of question um uh, that that i think is worth certainly at least trying to kind of put out there uh because if we don't then it's always just going to be about like well, how do i use it for my purposes You know, to hell with the consequences, it's, you know, the the consequences don't even necessarily like beyond ourselves, I should say. Mm -hmm. Uh, That that the consequences are just limited to humans and how it impacts us as opposed to everything else outside of us. That it's a missed opportunity, uh, you know, uh, if not potentially very dangerous for everything.
1: Right. So, have you been leveraging? artificial intelligence or those technologies in your, in your teaching or with your students in a way that to enhance kind of like your own personal values and mission, which, which seems about collaboration Um, you said transdisciplinary. And then it seems also like social justice at some level.
2: For sure. Yeah. Thanks for that. I mean, and I, I, we're certainly just trying to do a lot of experiments and to do them thoughtfully so that, you know, like the things you were just saying um, Patrick about unintended consequences, um, that we, we do our very best to be responsible with the, the methods and the tools and the processes that we're working with in relationship with each other as a community of practitioners. And then also like in those kind of concentric circles of, um, influence or stakeholders that we're related to, like our friends and families, our colleagues, the animals around us, the environments around us. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, just the production power of AI. like we can do more stuff faster. So um something that's a key component of design. um and I, I should say too. So like before this, I was teaching architecture as a, a you know professor of various stripes at different institutions for um eight years. and I just made this leap from the world of architecture into this like broader world of design and innovation where, Instead of always focusing on buildings and their sort of like attendant physical spaces, I'm now at Liberty to Explore Design through kind of so many different channels. So I'm a little bit more agnostic, able to be a little bit more agnostic now than I was about like, what what is the thing we're looking at? Is it a website? Is it an app? Is it a process? Is it a program? Is it a party? Mm-hmm. Is it is it a building right. or a park? So now the, mm. the sort of possibilities for exploration are really open. Um, but one thing that is exactly the same from the world of architecture into this world of design and innovation is that design always involves iteration, meaning oh, that we try yeah. things over and over and over and over yeah. again, because as I said earlier, design is, isn't about producing a thing as it was say prior to the industrial revolution meaning where design was almost synonymous if you said i'm i'm making a design someone you know that would be synonymous with craft like i am making an object i'm making i'm designing a cuckoo clock a tea kettle a house a church a cathedral you know but the design in our contemporary use is more about the process which has to include iteration so creating a set of possibilities by trying as many different ways of doing it or approaching the contextual factors as you can before you run out of time or you come up against some other boundary that often has to do with money where you're like, and this is the final product and you polish that as, as um, well as you can. So, you know, you could see immediately where AI could come into that, you know, the fact that we can go into Chat GPT and say, you know, use it as an ideation partner. Um, right. You know, we'd like to think of, you know, Twelve, forty-eight, one hundred and sixty-two possibilities for uh, you know, in you know, responsibly uh, inquiring about you know lived experience in XYZ community center. So we could ask ChatGPT to you know help us think about just a huge number of ways. So just the quantitative, the the, the quantity of iteration, iteration that AI can do both verbally and visually, I think holds so much promise mm-hmm. in our field.
1: Have you been able to use any of the plugins for chat GPT?
2: I haven't actually. So I'm, I've heard about, okay. you know, what you yeah, all yeah. have been talking about with like auto mm-hmm. GPT, but we're just coming, we're, we're hot off the school year. So I haven't had a ton of mm-hmm. experimentation time yet, but I'm super curious yeah. about that.
1: Yeah, there's There's, there's one a- called code interpreter where you can actually you just drop a spreadsheet into it and it will do data analysis on the spreadsheet. So like, if you've got a bunch of data on whatever neighborhood, and then you can kind of like, it will it will graphically represent some of the information and, and it's still a large language model. So you still have to kind of check it, but for like doing like analysis and, and kind of working with a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. it's pretty powerful. Um, Pat, what were you gonna say, I kind of interrupted you?
0: Uh, no, no, you're fine. Um, actually, I liked what you said more. <laughs> I was just thinking that there's a whole variety, of various plugins, and and I like how you pointed to one specific one because you and I are a little bit familiar with that one, Um, at least in terms of like we've heard people talk about it, read articles about it, and it's it's one of those things where it can take you can take massive data sets and really just kind of let the uh, the uh, AI essentially kind of crunch numbers and or you know information in a way that's so much quicker than anything that humans can do. Uh, You know, I I almost kind of wondered to what extent this is deviating a bit much, so I apologize, but like. You know, you start getting things like um, uh, if you're thinking about like the, the medicine fields uh, or medical research, like how do you get information with, like the human genome in there and start cranking out interesting kind of, you know, analyses of of like, say, the the human genome or genes and what have you. And like, how does that data like kind of how do you use that data to like get some really cool results or, or do some really good research? Um you can look at like anything from like, and I don't know, actually when Mike was talking about that, I was thinking about how. I was trying to try to make a connection for you, treaty, Where you know, are there large data sets out there, like maybe within, say, like government systems, where you can say, "Oh, well, there's a great data set on housing or on, um, I don't know, maybe maybe underutilization of different communities and what sort of common right. factors that they have. What data sets have like you know maybe across different communities or different parts parts of the country, where you can kind of pull it together and figure out, well, like. How do you how do you find remedies for these different issues? Um and it might be able to do that much faster than than uh, you know a a human or a team of humans could do. Um might be kind of fascinating just to play with, but um I
1: don't
2: know. Yeah, something interesting there is, you know, what you you pointed my brain in the direction of the kinds of data sets that 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 we use in design research, you know, census data, arc GIS mm-hmm. data, so mm-hmm. geo geospatial information. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I think is these platforms become more and more sophisticated, their capacity to interact with uh, real vector data. So, you know, I'm talking Mm -hmm. about like drawings in like AutoCAD Mm -hmm. or Revit, um, that sort of technical visual data that we use. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I would push back a little bit is that I wouldn't probably start using an AI platform to help me start generating remedies, but I think processing large amounts of information in order to more rapidly acquire insights that are hard for me to see as a human being. Right. Um, I think that that would be super fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I mean, it happens even with just like the simple experiments that I do in communication with chat GPT, where I I just find it so fun to, you know, like, and I saw in our notes for this show, even like you are an architecture professor, read this essay and come with five questions, you know? Right. Um, so like we do that. I do those kinds of experiments when I have communication to draft. Um mm-hmm. But the ideas are kind of in outline format. Um, So asking ChatGPT Mm -hmm. to come up with novel forms of combining the information that I give it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm still the sort of evaluator and editor at the end, um, which it seems like is a pretty common way that people are approaching using AI in in an educational setting or a professional setting. Is the sort of like, I'm going to ask it for an assist, but then I'm right. still going to kind of collage together the thing at right. the end. Right. But but when it comes to the the data, the plugin you're talking about, it does seem like it could be very interesting to run it repeatedly over and over and over the mm-hmm. same data to see what insights it might draw um, out that are hard for us to see. But then I would also be aware of looking for the line where it starts to hallucinate and give me weird
1: mm-hmm. solutions that are just yeah. aren't true. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. well, that, that's right. The, it, it, we keep on going back. Uh, Josh Schmidt said the same thing last year about code. Like, if you don't know what you're doing with code, it very well, it very well will write something that just doesn't isn't going to work. And and we see it with kids work with with their writing. We're like, that's that's not that's not what that book's about, right? So there's the it'll generate whatever you ask ask it for, but if you don't have the expertise. You, you don't know whether it's even relevant or not, right? So, I that it's you're, you're right, it's echoed uh, again and again and again. Um, I got I got a like, like, kind of a cool like quiz for you if you want to see something. Um, was this the surprise so you're gonna br- spring on me? A is a that... surprise? Yeah, oh, so man. so, um, so I, was, today for, I was looking for our <laughs>
0: listeners real quickly before the show. Mike's like, I got a surprise for you, I'm like, Well, what is it? And I started, of course, trying to guess or kind of like slowly kind of chip away, see if you could give me some clues. He wasn't budging. That was,
1: wasn't happening. Now was not, not going to. I'm like, is this? I'm so. thinking it's
0: a special guest. Like, what's happening yeah. here? No, nope,
1: nope. it is kind oh, of man. a special guest. It's, it's like, it's, it's she, oh, right? Oh wow! Okay. So, Pat and I got a bunch of access to plugins because we've been using it for so long. So, I, I, your, your one, um, your, your, your paper that's called oblique oblique pedagogical strategies. Oh, I know where this is going. Behavior of Social Justice Design Education. So, so that one, really, Um, I, I looked at it, read the abstract, and I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about it, architecture and design, but there's this cool Ask Your PDF plugin that you can use for chat GPT for if you're kind of using the paid subscription. And so I was like, wh- wh- how can I play with this, right? So I had to upload it, right, and do it again. And then it, it, get, it gets your name wrong. Right. So, and I think because when you look at the citation, there's, there's, this is in there at some level. Right. So it misses that. But I I was wondering, like, if you could kind of take a glance at the screen, like, does it, does it sound about like what you wrote?
2: (laughs) I love this. Uh, Yes. So So, this is just, just to give like a, a brief, brief summary. This paper is about, um, I'm really committed to inclusive design education, and architecture is notoriously exclusive. It's a very, very white male-dominated field still. Um, Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you know, just anecdotally, you know, every Black woman who is licensed as an architect in the United States knows the exact number of her license, you know, and that number may have exceeded 500 black women licensed architects in the United States in all of history at this point. So can you imagine if every white man who's ever been licensed as an architect in the United States knew which, like what number in line he was?
0: Oh my gosh, that's crazy.
1: I didn't know that.
2: Just to like illustrate that. That that would
1: would be a cool spreadsheet to put in there, right? Yeah.
2: Right. Right. Staggering. So, so Um, inclusivity in design education is one of the things that's really important to me always has been. And it's actually one of the forces that I think has kind of propelled me in the direction from architecture out to this more, um, exploratory kind of, um, outlier, um, edge part of this field where we're exploring how design education can be more inclusive so that the world we are all designing together every single day is actually designed by everyone. Um, I think that's really important. Um, So this paper is about um, ways that I was experimenting with that in the early part of my teaching career, which um, was informed by my earlier history in theater, where I did a ton of improv. Um, So it's A, it's A of all just fun to bring that stuff into the classroom. And I think the fun and the play are a part of it. Um, But I talk in that paper about how um, using improv exercises can help to, um, Unpack some of the invisible biases that we have, as you know, especially for white students, members of dominant culture, um, and uh, how they can also help us to get at um, the perspectives of people of different lived experience, but also plants and animals and creatures. So that's a kind of rundown of what the paper is. But let me Good. let me read.
0: Um, so so as you're reading that, I'll just fill yeah. in. So our, our for our listeners, so Mike has this plug-in. He uploaded the PDF of Trudy's paper. And Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're controlling it. Is it that you're trying to get kind of basically a quick um, synopsis of it, uh, yeah. in, in number, basically in number in a numbered list of like here's what the paper is basically saying? So you want to you want to see if if it's actually reporting out uh, or kind of summarizing accurately, essentially, right?
1: Yeah, I was kind of like, what would a student do? Because I don't really know anything about architecture, and here's and here's like our you know you're doing a research project project. Like here's here's what you you'll be, kids will be doing here in six months when everyone's got this, these PDF readers. Bing already kind of does it automatically. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, and I was like, Ooh, I, I can ask Trudy if this is even accurate. Right. Cause, mm-hmm. cause that's the thing is that the output's always the, the thing. So, so far, Trudy, what do you think?
2: I mean, it's pretty good actually. I mean, it, it, there are sort of like nuances that I would pick up and I would correct, you know, say, mm-hmm. say, say we were having a conversation in the classroom using this. So, you know, we're looking at a six point, um, sort of outline of the paper that you're so right. Like it includes like some pretty deep cuts from the world of design pedagogy. So I wouldn't expect someone who hasn't been like kind of really marinating this field for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciate what you did to sort of run it through this and and examine it from this perspective of kind of like legibility um, that could be facilitated by ChatGPT. So I think it's like, it's like I give it a B plus on interpretation. Okay. And, and that bad. said- Right, like, and it would get, it would completely facilitate a classroom conversation. So, like, if well, I and, and you're a of, you're a yeah.
1: you're a writer, like, like I, I was reading, and I was like, you know what you're doing, like this is this is like you know PhD college writing. This is the hard stuff, and 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 you're like, oh, it's a B plus.
2: Thanks so. for that compliment. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you're welcome. As a lowly master of architecture student. I appreciate. Well, but that. yeah, but I
1: mean, but but you're writing at a <laughs> high academic level, and and so you just kind of said yeah. Chat GPT really kind of gave it, a, you know, kind of did it, right? I mean, I, check I'm this not. Out. It, oh, go ahead.
2: Miss it doesn't give like a comprehensive understanding. Like its its points aren't like um, I wouldn't say it's picking up on the main points. Like like as an example, oh, if you scroll wow. back up. Okay. Um, those are all points yeah. in the papers and only mm-hmm. one or two are like kind of misinterpreted in a way. They're just, they aren't correctly identified as the top most important <laughs> points in the hierarchy of information. So like, um, okay. Something that is in the top hierarchy, the author emphasizes the importance of open listening and observation and understanding the conditions of gentrification in King Sessing in Southwest Philadelphia. True. Um, Incorporating improvisational exercises such as party guest into site analysis drawings, true. Um, the fourth one, the author notes a shift from recognizable charity service products to a more diverse set of empathetic social justice design responses in student projects. That's an interesting like misinterpretation of what I said in the paper that oh, sounds cool. pretty good wow. and also I wouldn't say was one of the main points I was trying to make. But still, it would in a, in the classroom setting, it would still provoke a really interesting and productive conversation, I think, with students or with colleagues around like the consequences of implementing these strategies for teaching in in the design classroom.
1: Well, it's it, well for us because we we teach English. Like, I mean, oftentimes when we when you read a book or a story, like you can have an interesting conversation on a misread because the kids don't get it yet. So You have to go back and teach them to read it, and, and you're just saying, well, this is an interesting point, but it's not actually accurate.
2: Right. Like if I were going to write a top six points
1: that of would the not paper, which yet. I guess I
2: probably did in the abstract. Um, you know.
1: <laughs> well, right. Right. yeah, Okay. Um, I, yeah. I just, I just gave it another question. I don't know if it'll do it or not. I asked it like, what are the top six points? But then, then I prompted it. I said, you're a professor of design and architecture based on this PDF. What questions would you have for the author? Hmm. And so the ones like oh, yeah. there's the party guest exercise, right? What Have you been able to tack, track long? How, how are these questions? Have you been able to track the long-term impact of these strategies on your students' careers? That's not a very good question.
2: Well, these do feel like I'm like picturing the, um, you know, that website, this person does not exist.
0: No, what's that? Oh, no.
2: it's a, it's a website where you can go and, and a. Uh, a, a portrait of a person who does not exist, will, the AI platform behind it or the AI generator behind it will generate a human being that does not exist.
0: Um, but they look <laughs> I'm, most I'm of the time. I'm pulling this up now. I got to take a look yeah. at this. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we need one of those people that looks like an architecture <laughs> professor. So they they have to be wearing all black. And um, if they wear glasses, they have to be cool glasses. Um, right. Um, but, yeah, I think these are legitimate. Questions like I could 100% see a colleague asking me these questions. So, could you provide more details? Example of the exercise, more detailed examples of the exercises for sure. Have you encountered resistance or pushback from students or colleagues in implementing these? These are, but I'm just not sure. They're not. They're not super specific questions. No, they're but they are because it never is. But it is a legitimate set of questions that again could lead to a really deep conversation on, you know, how the. Approaches that I describe in the paper, how I operationalize them in the classroom, how how could I share them with other people so that they could try them with their students?
1: Right, right. I, I was thinking when you are talking about iteration, like using Chat GPT, like you know, it read it read your piece and then we'll hear some questions, right? Um, keep you going or anyone going? Uh, I, think I actually tried. So I look at this question. You are a university professor of architecture and design. Based on your knowledge. What are some areas to explore that are brought up in this, in the article? And what are some areas that are not mentioned, but need to be mentioned, put this in a list. And so it said areas to explore, um, me think of this list, there's improvisational exercises, social justice and design, non-human perspectives, process oriented,
2: those feel good to me. I'm like, yeah, oh, those are totally my interests. Yeah. No, <laughs> no All right. So then, <laughs> yeah. then
1: it's like, here's the areas not mentioned, but need to be mentioned. Sustainability, mm-hmm. technology, collaboration, cultural sensitivity, ethics in design, impact of design on mental health. I mean, like what, what mm-hmm. I mean, I I was thinking like, you know, a, 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 as, as I research and writing, like an iteration, like you know, that sometimes when, when you're writing, when you're writing a piece, you, you, you kind of wonder like, well, what are some counter arguments is what we do in English. Right. So what are some things I didn't think about? Right. So I don't yeah. know if any of these even make sense to you is like, you know, something that, you know, you would do, but so far chat GPT4 is not doing bad for this PDF reader.
2: Yeah. I mean, it is, it is interesting. It all, again, like it's also productive and it is also productive in terms of its capacity to generate further conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, this list includes, so like the things that are not included that could be addressed address sustainability and design, technology and design, collaboration and teamwork, cultural sensitivity. So, like, just taking those four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't really know what ChatGPT means by sustainability and design. Is it talking about like material sustainability, the life cycle Mm -hmm. of materials? And it's not really a, a paper that's about the material stuff that we make buildings out of. So it's, this list is kind of a mishmash of things that are directly related to the area of expertise in which I'm operating in the paper and like general areas that you would, like if you were making a list of, you know, top 15 things that architects think about, you know, no. sustainability and technology would be on them, but they're just not the focus area of perhaps the okay. kind of the well, area I was so really shining a light on. Does not, that make sense? It's not
0: deep enough. I was just going to say, it sounds shallow then, right? Yeah. There's a certain shallowness to it. Yeah. that yeah. That's actually interesting because I I had students, um, I think I brought this up in the last podcast, like I had them uh, totally different context, but in class they use AI to generate plays. And that they had to perform them, but one of the critiques that they had, because they a lot of them were saying, actually, it would have been fun just to have more time to write their own, which I thought was great. Uh, I thought that was actually kind of reaffirming of their their own humanity, right? But they said that they actually found it useful for generating ideas. They just found that the scripts that it would kick out tended to be kind of shallow or cliche, um, which makes sense if you think about like the way that these large language models are are kind of scraping the internet, just trying to find big data and just kind of spitting stuff back out. Mm-hmm. That that sense of nuance that that uh, that professionals can really bring or experts can bring to the table, you know that that it, at this present time, anyways, the AI is not really able to kind of get to that that kind of the nitty gritty as much. Um, so helpful to to an extent, yeah, fine, but um, but but it does have its limitations, and I I think that oh good.
2: Well, just as an index of what is available within a particular knowledge domain, I'm thinking of your point in an earlier episode about how AI could be leveraged in collaboration, like in collaborative teams with the student Mm -hmm. and the teacher to create Mm -hmm. really responsive curriculum. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the way that students could start to... So like if ChatGPT is a reliable index... And and a bit smarter than that, like, it's, it's better than just looking at, like, a list of topics in a table of contents mm-hmm. or in an index of a textbook. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, using these large language models to generate possibilities for uh, creating curriculum that's, like, really appropriate to write where the student is at within a particular knowledge domain or practice area. Um, and then having them, like, almost pitch to you, like, here's the curriculum that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I understand the broad area we're studying, you know, I'll just use my own field is, you know, mm-hmm. we'll just stick with like inclusive pedagogy and design. Mm-hmm. Um, within that, you know, I've worked with ChatGPT GPT to come up with a plan for a four week study of, you know, tactics for working with undergrads who are mm-hmm. learning design fundamentals, or uh, I'm looking right. at, you know, the professional outcomes for design students that have experienced, this or that sort of methodology and their educational experience or whatever. So there's a way to like kind of survey, but then collaborate mm. to fine tune and make a plan for learning mm. going forward. I don't know. That's what I, I mean, I, I thought that was a cool idea that you had or what I cool. took from the idea that you had in the in earlier episode.
0: Oh, I, I appreciate that. I don't remember saying it exactly. I mean, kind of <laughs> vaguely, but I love how you're calling me smart and I didn't even realize
1: I was being smart. Yep. So that's great.
2: SMRT. <laughs>
1: yeah, I oh, know, would just so the, the the cursory read of uh, of, of your paper by ChatGPT there is there is the game that 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 was enacted that uh, I think yeah. was be the theater game. Yeah, um, it's called Party Guest. It's Party you, Gu- I, kept, I wanted wanting to say Hunger Games, <laughs> <Like> <laughs> Party Guest, right?
2: Yeah, Hunger Games is a different version. It's that's when yeah, like totally. everyone's already everyone's like it's a really tough semester and right. um, you got to.
1: It's uh, a, I it's that's Irish the post-party game, the game is
0: what that
2: is. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, um, party guest, so wait, so what the, yeah,
2: good. Party guest is a game. It's an improv game that if you've ever seen the show "Whose Line Is It Anyways," it's mm-hmm. played very often on "Whose Line Is It Anyways," and it's a game where um, there's a party host and all the other actors are guests who have a secret identity and they have to arrive to the party. And then the point of the game is that the host has to guess yes. who all of their guests are.
0: Right. So if you had like a bunch of superheroes come in, they have to act like the superhero and the, and the party host has to kind of figure out, oh, that's Superman. Oh, that's Batman. Oh, that's Wonder Woman, et cetera. Yes, hmm. exactly. That's fine. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. So we have students adopt secret identities and we have them. I, I love when you have to pull a piece of paper out of a hat. So we do that mm-hmm. in the classroom and in the, on the pieces of paper are all these different identities like snowstorm, tree, drone, mm. cat. Um, oh. and the students then have to evaluate, um, the context that we're working in first from their perspective as a human being. Like, what do you take in when you look at this, you know, site or set of factors that you might need to take into consideration. Um, and then what happens when you try to evaluate and analyze the exact same set of information from the perspective of an earthworm or, a, you know, mm. the, the sun. So what would the sun see? What would the sun, um, right. So are you, you know. saying
0: that it, like one of the guests could be the sun itself yes. and they'd have to somehow portray themselves as the sun and the part and the host would have to guess, Oh, that's you're the sun.
2: Right. And the, well, there, oh there isn't gosh. really, there really isn't really a host in this. What we do is so it's an yeah. assignment that takes a couple of weeks at least. Um, so I do my best to keep the student identities, secret identities secret from each other. So that when okay. they come in with their drawings, that's like, here's the drawing from my perspective. And wow. here's the drawing from the son's perspective. The other students try to guess what that person's oh. secret identity was. Sometimes it doesn't work because everyone's just so excited. And someone immediately is like, oh my gosh, I got river otter. They just like say it.
1: It's like a Falknerian novel, but for design, right? So, so what, what it's making students do is think about the space from a, a zillion different perspectives.
2: Yes, exactly. It's super
1: cool. It reminds me of um have you read Braiding sweetgrass? I have, yes. Oh, I like, she talks about like sometimes you have to think about the tree or this or the mm-hmm. sweetgrass itself and how it she's is. a Madison, she's a Madison prof. So oh, I don't know if she still go. is, but she was.
2: She graduated from UW Madison. Yes, oh, is that what it a, was? Yes. There's a connection there. Okay. Yep. Yeah. She talks about um her book is so influential in mm-hmm. my thinking. And I think it's my like the number one most referenced book in, like, all of the circles I run in that book. is just so incredible. Um, I use... Oh, good. Go go
0: ahead, go ahead.
2: She talks about, like, obtaining (laughs) consent from trees, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, like, she talks about the um, black ash basket makers and how Mm -hmm. they not only you know, go into the environment to identify the trees that are the most likely to be good candidates for making baskets from their perspective. But then there's a series of encounters where they ask the tree for its consent. And, you know, they do that by like Mm -hmm. beginning to like interact with the tree using like you know you know like an axe or a tool, and if the tree isn't consenting, the tree won't give in to the axe. You know it might, it might be difficult to cut. So, and then when the mm. tree communicates that it's not consenting to become a basket, they leave that tree alone. So mm. you know it's interesting that you know, you know we the communication from other entities is all around us, but we're very distant from it. I think, but for lots of reasons. So. Um, I love breeding sweetgrass as an example of how to be in closer communication with non-human entities, of course, for Robin Wall or plants in particular.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why again, that, kind of going back to the, the opening question about AI, right? Like when people are creating this system, are are they creating it from the sense of an earthworm or from the sun? Or is it right. just is it just efficiency? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so I think it's it's an interesting for me, it's an interesting thing to think about.
0: Well,
1: well and I'm on sure. that point, uh, because I've been thinking about this
0: recently is to what extent if it if it's only efficiency, there are there are certain things we just don't want to be efficient, efficient that are inherently messy and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and I think to kind of honor acknowledge and to honor that uh is is important. Um, and so uh whether thinking about like, say, for example, cultivating one's writing voice or um you're developing maybe maybe some of the projects even that you have that maybe efficiency isn't the goal like that's not really what's needed or required at that one particular stage or or, or step in the process that like some of that messiness is kind of you kind of have to wade through that first uh that again maybe there are cases where it's actually helpful to kind of get the mess out of the way and then move on but um yeah nice nice
2: yeah totally agree i'm a big fan of slowness Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and um Yeah, just being sensitive and responsive to what's really needed at the time, without just knee-jerk responding with our habitual values or our the sort of dominant values that we think have have to always be the way. But actually, we we just all we made up all this stuff that we're doing every day, so we can make up any version of it that we want going forward.
0: Well, and maybe on that point, then Trudy, is there anything that you could think about, or that that's maybe been on your mind regarding uh, all this all these developments with AI as it relates to your particular? Uh, part of the conversation, um, you know, up at particularly the university level that is worth maybe uh, sharing with us that, that I want to kind of conclude with.
2: I just hope more work like you guys are doing in this podcast happens and, you know, continues to be sort of supported that there's spaces for the real curious, real time exploration of how do we navigate these waters? So I just think you both represent a curious and open voice that doesn't presuppose that you're experts. Um, and I feel like, especially as educators, like, I don't know, there's maybe a mythology that we have all the answers or something. And mm-hmm. I love the the mm-hmm. Bot Brothers podcast attitude towards like, well, we don't have the answers, but we're just going to talk about some possibilities, you know, kind of in public. So that's what and, I hope and, for most of our most of all. And
0: first yeah. of all, thank you very much for saying that. Second of all, yeah. could you just tell our listeners we honestly had no I like that just came off the top of your head? Like we did not pay you, we did not <laughs> control you. We didn't do anything. Like, that was really, really kind of you. Thanks. I I, I don't think I could have said better myself. That curiosity mm-hmm. thing is huge. That's really, mm-hmm. really important.
2: Yeah, I just and 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 when things happen where it seems like, oh, the clamping down is happening, the fear is driving us to mm-hmm. like go into a defensive crouch. Like let's work together to see what we can do to remain open, curious, but also really aware of, you know, where we can do our best to be accountable and responsible for the safety and well-being of all of the people and creatures involved. And like we won't be perfect at it, but we we just have to I I think, you know, and I will and in our program, we do hold that in mind that we do our best to be. You know, responsible and to do our due diligence and to learn from the mistakes of the past and be open to the communication that's coming from all around us—other humans, plants, animals, the environment, the weather, the technology. You know,
1: yeah. So, I guess in some design is really about being open and and iterating until you until you try to get craft something that is better, right? Because you, if it's a craft and if it's design, you're going to keep on designing to get better and better and better. And if you don't think about the perspectives and you don't consider um, those, then you might just end up with trash or a trash space. And I I keep on thinking, there's this old, old song by the Sierra Leone Refugee All-Stars, and there's some line that says, when the elephants fight, the grass under them suffers. And I keep, I've kind of been thinking about that, right? Like, yeah. are we going to mess up the grass? Or are we going to treat the grass? Well, huh. Well, thanks, Trudy. It's been awesome having you on the show. Um, I want to keep on talking, but for a good 40 minutes or so. Thank you so well, much. Thanks a lot.
2: Yeah, Mike and Patrick, I really love what you're doing. And I, I so appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk with you about this. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. And, and again, for making the
1: space for these conversations. Cool. Keep in touch. Anytime. All right, that's it. That's season one, episode 10. It's May 30th, 2023. If you like this show, give some stars, follow us, like us, share with your friends or anyone interested in education or AI. If you have an idea or a comment, Hit us up at Twitter at the Bot Brothers Bot. Send us a Gmail at thebotbrothersai at gmail.com. This a Facebook group, The Bot Brothers AI for Educators, run by Mr. Burns. If you want to get a hold of Trudy Watt, she can be found on LinkedIn by searching her name. It's T R U D Y W A T T. MD&I is also on LinkedIn as the UW Madison Master of Science in Design and Innovation, and MDNI is also on Instagram as UW underscore MDI. Any links to this show or in the episode notes? Have a good one. See you next time. Bye bye. <laughs> Bot brothers.